You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, everybody. This is Sarah, the host of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about shedding limiting labels and beliefs so we can all live our biggest dreams and shine our lights out into the world. This week, this week we are going to be joined by Aaron Oath. Um, I, did I pronounce your name right, Aaron? Aaron Oath. Oath. Oh, so Just like an Oath, oath in court. Oh, I like, that has profound meaning when we, we get into what you, the work you do. So I like it. Aaron Oath. Aaron's a community builder, facilitator, and a coach. And she has over 15 years experience bringing people together in community. And we're going to center a lot of our conversation around community as well as the Enneagram today. But she built her career in the university sector where she equips students with the tools and support that they need to succeed. Um, And during that time, she became nationally recognized as a leader in community engagement and dialogue initiatives in higher education. So recently, she founded her own company, and she serves as an Enneagram coach where she guides individuals and groups towards personal growth and community transformation. Again, you get the thread for the community transformation piece. This is so great. I found that Erin describes herself as a slow but steady runner and my favorite, an avid coffee drinker. So Erin, here's to you, my, my coffee for our interview. And she is happily married to her husband, Stephen, and they currently live in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, And one of the things I like to ask our guests is how they grow personally and professionally. And right now she's reading At Home in the World by Tish Oxenreiter. And she continues to get mentoring and coaching from Beth McCord and the team at Your Enneagram Coach, all about growing deeper in her personal relationship to herself and her soul. So with that, I want to let you know, I'm going to ask her more about if she knows and how she knew she landed on her quote unquote right number in Enneagram, the impact of the Enneagram on her work, both her personal relationships and the the potential for community building, and then how as a type five Enneagram, she has had that aha moment and maybe changed relationships with herself and others. So now with that as an introduction, let's welcome our guest formally, Erin Oath. Hi, Erin. Hi, Sarah. Hello to everyone. Um, Thank you so much for having me. It's a joy to be with you this afternoon. Well, it's fun. Normally when I see Erin, it's on a Zoom meeting with tons of other people in the professional development world. And um, I don't get this much time with her. I get a chat box. So I know many listeners can resonate with that. And so I feel lucky that we all get time with you here on the podcast, Erin. Oh, well, thank you so much. 
One of the questions I ask all of our guests, regardless of topic, before we dive in, is whether there's something that you do every day for yourself that keeps you focused on your true purpose and calling. Ooh, what a great question. I love that. I think I have found that I need to have those routines every day that kind of bring me back and recenter myself. Um, I would say one of those pieces for me is having quiet time in the morning, just time where it's me and God and a cup of coffee, maybe my journal, um, but some real time to focus on the day and to think about what am I called to? What, what, where do I most need to invest my time and energy uh, um, for the day, for the week, for the month, for the season? Um, but that's a question I keep coming back to. There's so many things that we can do, but where is the best place to focus my time and energy for today? Um, as a five, I find it really helpful to practice yoga. Sometimes I do a better job of working that in in my daily routine than others, um, but it really helps me kind of connect my mind and my body. And that has been a really helpful practice as well. We'll talk about fives and that and why yoga is important for fives. As a, as a sister five, I find that helpful for me as well. Um, but let's start going back a little bit. Can you talk a bit about your journey from working with students in university to starting your own company? I mean, going from a huge university system and then being an entrepreneur is a jump. How'd you get from there to here? Oh, it, it has been a journey. And yet, at times, it also seems like the next natural step as well. So I first learned about the Enneagram probably about 10 years ago, um, when I was working at a university in Texas, and was just really drawn to it. It was really helpful for me. I can be a professional development guru. So tell me about some workshops and I'm there to soak up all the information. And I thought it was just this other cool thing. Um, but then I, I was really struggling to navigate some relationships, some work relationships. I just felt there were tensions, and these were relationships I really cared about. And so I started looking to the Enneagram for some suggestions of the dynamics uh, between those numbers. And it was like seeing on black and white paper the dynamics that were playing out. That was transformational for me because it allowed me to see what patterns I was bringing to the situation. And it also allowed me to see what could I do differently? How might I engage? How do I want to intentionally respond uh, to break the cycle or to offer a new pathway uh, for myself and for the relationship itself? And that's when I really started finding the Enneagram useful on a much deeper level. It wasn't just something for professional development. I found it as a real tool for personal growth and something I kept coming back to over the years. Um, it's definitely influenced my work with students. I am a community builder and I think a lot about what does it mean to build community and create spaces uh, for people to connect with each other. Um, my, my goal is to give people tools, support resources that they need to succeed. And I often find I am a connector, that I'm, I'm a person that brings people together in a similar space. And so the Enneagram has been really helpful to me in understanding the different lenses in which different people come to that space, the different ways that we see and understand the world around us. But it also has given um, 
a tool for connecting with people that might see the world very differently from me. And that has just paid so many dividends in the work that I do. Um, in the more recent, the actual transition from, from the university setting uh, to my own business, uh, part of that is, is a result of some life transitions that my family made. Um, in higher ed, I often say you get to choose the work that you do or where to do it. You don't often get to choose both at the same time. Um, and so my husband and I relocated this summer um, to Greenville, South Carolina for family reasons. And I really didn't see job opportunities that were in line with the work that I really care about doing. Um, I also know that the work that really feeds my soul is more of this creative, generative, one-on-one -on -one work. Um, and so then I discovered the opportunity to do some more with, uh, with the Enneagram to pursue coaching. And it seemed like a natural, a natural progression to me, something that had been really useful to me in my personal and working relationships. Um, and also something that allowed me to continue to do that community building work through a different lens. Now working at the individual level to help individuals reconnect with themselves and with each other. So my goal is as an Enneagram coach to actively work to create more of those spaces where we can reconnect with what's going on inside of ourselves, that we can come to a deeper understanding of who we are, but also that we can reconnect with the people that we care about, reconnect with the world around us. Um, right now in our current climate, there just seems to be so much divisiveness and so many forces that seem to be ripping apart communities and tearing us, separating us from each other. And uh, my hope and my goal with my work is to be a part of rebuilding some of that, helping us find our ways back to each other again. Um, because I think we're all better together. We are better when we're in community with each other and we need those connections in which to thrive. We are human animals that are social, <laughs> right? Um, but I do want to ask you, because this in my work, especially when I'm working in the nonprofit communities, um, but also just in general, you hear the word community, community builder being used a lot. And I think depending on who I've spoken with, they may interpret that differently from one another. I mean, I think the broader concept may be similar, but when it gets into the nuances, they talk about it differently. So in your mind, what does it mean to when you say to build community what does that mean does that mean we're all walking around doing kumbaya or what's it mean what a great question um i i, I feel like i had i could speak volumes on this um, go ahead commu community is all the ways that we come together it is the ways we come together the neighborhoods in which we live the larger cities and communities that are there but now communities span, they're not just physical space anymore, they're connections online, across geographic barriers. We have communities within our different identities, all the different ways we connect with each other. And the power of those communities is not that we all agree with each other, um, it's that we flourish together. It's that we come together to solve a problem or we come together because we have a common bond or a common uh, interest, a common something that that pulls us together. And that can be a, as broad out as our common humanity, but it can also be, uh, it, it, it can be this rich, diverse, and flourishing space when we see and can take advantage of 
the gifts of each other. When we see ourselves as part of a larger whole and not just as a passive recipient, but an active co-creator of that community. Um, you know, there's been a lot of people that have written about the, the producer versus creator concept in communities. And so many of us are just consumers. Um, but when we actually see ourselves as creators, when my students see themselves as part of a campus environment and they suddenly see that they have something unique to offer that campus that they bring to that student organization or to their classmates. They bring a perspective and a lens, a way of being in the world, um, but they also bring their own life experiences, their own personality, their own talents. Um, and when we can see those things and we can see how we each need what others have, um, then we see ourselves as part of this rich and diverse place where we can solve problems. We have the benefit of collective wisdom and judgment. We are better than any one of us are individually because we can take advantage of all those different lenses and all those ways of being in the world. Thanks, that's great. And it makes me think of another question, which I wasn't gonna ask, but I am now. Um, so you talk about the Enneagram and, the, and earlier you said about the lenses. It helps us see the different mm -hmm. lenses. So I'm imagining someone listening and going, okay, that still sounds, it sounds good. I'm with you, Erin, all the way. I like that community. I like what you're trying to do. How does me understanding the Enneagram help me show up differently? And let's smart with, start with one of our smallest communities and maybe that's our family community, right? Whether we live near or far from them. But how does understanding me help me understand others and their lenses? So can you give me a little, give us a little picture in your head of the Enneagram and how it can help us do that? Sure. Um, I think of the Enneagram kind of as a mirror of sorts, giving us a fresher, deeper look into who we are. And the truth is, we're pretty complex people. <laughs> there are many different layers to our personality. There's what are we like under stress? What are we like in security? Um, when are we at our best? When are we not at our best? What are our tendencies in communication and conflict? And the Enneagram just helps us peel back some of those layers to understand different aspects of who we are. For me, this is one of the places where it's really different from a lot of other personality assessments out there that seem to just uh, have a label and seem to be more descriptive. And what was always bothering me about those is it seemed like every single time I took it, it came back with a different answer <laughs> about who I was. Um, and, you know, I think the, the underlying truth of that, that the Enneagram reveals is that we're dynamic people. We're not always the same. Um, we show up differently in our families, maybe than we do at work. We show up differently when we're under stress and when things are going really well. Um, we show up differently sometimes with the people that we love the most um, or when we feel threatened or some of our core needs aren't being met. Um, it affects the way that we show up in the world. And I think the Enneagram helps us understand that. It kind of holds a mirror up to help us see that. And um, I think to go back to your original question, I think, which was how we, how do we show up in our families or how does the Enneagram help us think about that? It, it helps us understand some of those dynamics that we don't always see. Um, you know, my parents are 
um, are older now, they're approaching the season of life uh, where they're facing different challenges and limitations every day. Um, I just moved back closer uh, to be closer to them so I can help out more. And, you know, it'd been a long time since I've been part of my everyday life with my parents. And um, that has provided a richness uh, because we've had to rediscover those dynamics of interacting with each other. And I think the Enneagram is just so helpful in those kind of situations because it helps us understand who we are um, and maybe some of the things that we don't even see about ourselves, but maybe some of the things that cut us off from the people that we care about the most, but also some of the ways that we can connect more with the people that we care about the most when we care to understand who they are. Um, I think when we do that self-work, we end up being a, a more wholehearted version of ourselves. And when we're more wholehearted, we have more love to give the people that we care about the most. What nothing you said in there said other people have to change for us to be more, more wholehearted. Right. So Correct. we can do our own work and still see results without saying, oh, well, mom, you have to take it. So I understand. I mean, we don't have to have that. We need to know us. Mm -hmm. so Absolutely. I'm OK. Neither of my parents have taken the Enneagram. My husband's never taken an Enneagram assessment. Um, he hears about it on occasion, <laughs> but they don't have to do that work if I'm doing my work because it shows up in how I show up in the relationship. Because you get to show up more authentically, Erin. Correct. Yeah. So that leads me to a question. You know, when you talked about all those numbers and different assessments and it could show up differently, did you land immediately on your type and share with us what your type is? But then what I'm really after is like, how easy did you land on that and figure it out? I took great comfort when I heard uh, an Enneagram coach say that if you struggle to figure out your number, uh, the people who struggle to figure out their numbers are usually the people who are most interested in doing the work after. <laughs> I found that really encouraging because I really struggled to figure out my number. Um, when I first went to a workshop, uh, you know, I, I landed on a number. I was like, oh, I got this figured out. But something just, it just didn't fit, it didn't resonate with me. Um, and the more I got into it, uh, I originally thought I was an eight and I have some eight energy in my life. So there were things I really connected to, but it, um, but some of the core motivations just didn't resonate or touch in the same way. And then, um, you know, I mean, maybe it was a span of a year or so and I kept coming back to Enneagram and I was like, you know, maybe I'm a nine because I really don't like conflict sometimes. Um, but I was making a common mistake that a lot of people do in looking at the behavior instead of the underlying motivations. And I also had some people say, I really don't think you're a nine. <laughs> because I can be pretty assertive at times. The nines really struggle to assert themselves. Some people say, you know, I'm not, I'm not seeing the nineness in you. I don't want to call you wrong, but you're wrong. I, we're, not, <laughs> we're not seeing you or feeling you like a nine. Exactly. Um, but there was something uh, when I landed on a five, it took me a lot to see that in myself. I, and I think part of it was I was not as self-aware. I mean, I, I think part of the Enneagram is becoming self-aware and it took me some time even to do the work to notice the tendencies or even to think about my motivations or how I am in relationship with others. 
Um, but when I got there, I knew I was a five. It resonated so deeply with me and it was almost excruciating <laughs> to see myself on paper and to see some of the struggles that, I, that I've had. Um, and it was, it was this place of real vulnerability. <laughs> And, um, you know, I still had some people say, hey, I don't think you're a five. You're too outgoing to be a five. And I was, and I'm perfectly content for people not to think I'm a five because I feel like they're going to go and read the book. <laughs> and I don't want to be diagnosed. That's in true sense. So just leave me alone. Um, but as oh, I have done the work, <laughs> I am very much uh, a five. I can very much be in my head. I have a four wing, which throws people off sometimes because, uh, Typically, I am not an emotional person, but I can get pretty emotional and I can uh, participate in that push and pull that kind of comes in from the foreside. Um, so when I'm healthy, I have that head and heart connection. Um, or when I'm not healthy, they can kind of be competing with each other. Um, but uh, um, I tell people, hey, don't be discouraged if you don't know your number. Um, just sit with it. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, there are books out there. The Road Back to You is a wonderful book um, for diving in and exploring, listening to podcasts. Um, listening to podcasts is one of the most helpful ones for me because it's really helpful to hear people that are different numbers talk about their experience and to see what resonates most with them. Um, but take your time. It's not, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And it's worth taking time to really ask those questions of yourself, particularly if that's new for you. Um, if you're a five or a nine, not given to that level of introspection, uh, it, it can be challenging to do that work, to look deeper inside. And so um, give grace to yourself and don't feel like you have to have a quick answer. Some people will immediately know their number, but if you don't, there's nothing wrong with you. It just means, you're invited to, to start that journey. And as you do, you're gonna learn so much about yourself that you probably never understood or noticed or observed in yourself before. Um, because when you're looking for that, you're just paying attention in ways that you, um, that maybe you weren't previously. So it's interesting, listeners, Erin um, and I share the same number. We have different influences. She, is a, she leans more on her four wing I'm more on the six, um, but we were laughing prior to hitting record, <laughs> sharing stories like because we, because as fives, we're very internal. We live in our heads. That's our default. Um, and so we're talking about like how we can quickly come to a decision. And, and sometimes people think we're kind of like nuts. So I'm, I was sharing a story when I was telling and I did not know my type at this time, but I was totally I couldn't get it. Like people would say, that's such a rash decision to me. Like, how did you get it on big decisions? Not on little ones, no one ever braces you, but it's like life decisions. How did you make that decision? We never saw it coming. And I'm thinking, I'm not rash. I've been thinking about this, right? So at the time I went to my trusted advisor, my therapist, and I said, hey, Chuck, am I rash? And he started laughing he says, you have never made a rash decision for as long as I've known you. He said, what you do is you keep all of your conversations in your head. You've done your thinking. It's all internal. No one has a clue of what's going on with you. And then you say, hello world, here's my decision. And people are, are just like, how did you get there? So Aaron shared, 
a mattress shopping story with me. And we were both laughing about this, but it demonstrates a five. So will you share that with our audience? Sure, yes, so much fineness. Um, so my husband and I went mattress shopping and I had done all of my research beforehand. I had compared all these mattresses online. I had written down what to look for, um, all the different types of springs, the different types of foam, doing the comparison. And I felt ready to go shopping. Now, my husband had done none of that. He was ready to go shopping in terms of he was just starting the experience of looking. So we go in the first store and I'm ready to buy a mattress. I've done all the work. I'm there. I'm like, okay, this is the one we should go with. And my husband is like, we just started looking. Don't you think we should explore options? Understand what we're getting. Consider all these things. Like, but you don't understand. I already did all that work. <laughs> but as Sarah said, it's often in our heads. And so I can do all of that thinking. I can even do all of that research, but it doesn't necessarily mean I'm communicating it out or sharing my process. And so my husband thought, hey, I was rushing into making this big budget decision and had no idea how prepared I was <laughs> all my notes and spreadsheets and thought and time that I had put into the shopping experience. And so, well, and what's interesting in a team environment, it can mm -hmm. have that same confusion for folks. So I will like on a team when I was part of a corporate partner, it'd be, I hated this question. So Sarah, what do you think? Well, because I'd done that, right? But I didn't go and put a bullet list together and all this stuff. So I'd say, well, I actually think this is the better option. Can you share with us why you think that? Because it wasn't like on the list. And, and finally I thought, I feel like I'm not speaking English, right? In, a, in an English environment. So it's a weird thing. And I wished I'd had mm -hmm. this tool then. So that's what I can say. Yes. And to anybody I've ever worked with, I, I do wish I'd had the tool. But honestly, Aaron, I, I found it has changed how I phrase things with people who, who I know now from relationships think very differently from me. So I, go ahead. I was just nodding in my head there because it is so true. And I think that's been one of the places where the Enneagram has really helped me grow, realizing how much goes on in my head and the need to communicate that with other people because other people don't know how much time I've spent thinking about it or don't know the work um, that's gone into it if I don't let them know. <laughs> but also, the and, reason you're not sharing isn't because you don't want it's that's part of one of our I, let me just say weaknesses as a type right we tend to keep it internal for whatever reason we you know and sometimes that for me personally is a protective thing to do right um i didn't know it but it's like if i don't share it then you can't shoot it down or whatever right until it's so perfect and i have everything i need and then you'd be crazy to shoot the idea down so but that's just my perspective on it but without knowing that we can just assume that this is okay and it's okay if if it's intentional but not subconscious and protective or you know in my personal experience so i want to go back to your business mm -hmm. who are you primarily working with or looking to work with where do you feel your gifts are going to have the biggest impact at least in the short run as you're growing and in your new community 
I'm still figuring that out some. Um, I will say, of course, I have a heart for college students and that demographic. Um, I also have a real heart for the church and for faith communities. Um, I, I, the same forces that have been so divisive across the world, I just see them really um, divide churches. And, and I care deeply about that institution. I care. I think we need places and communities like that. Um, and so I really want to explore uh, explore the Enneagram as a tool for ministry and how to support ministry leaders, nonprofit leaders, those on the front lines um, as well. Uh, basically, I want to serve people who are in that broken place, who feel fragmented and just want to reconnect with themselves and invest and reconnecting with their community, whatever that community is. So one of the quotes I pulled from you was you talked about that when we choose to do our own work and to tend to our own souls, we become healthier versions of ourselves and then we can more wholeheartedly engage and connect with others. So how did you come to that? The School of Hard Knocks, I think. Um, I, I don't think if anyone had ever asked me, are you healthy, that I would have answered that I was unhealthy. Um, but I was, I just kind of felt lost myself for a bit. Or maybe it's just I haven't discovered yet who I really was. Um, but there were just times when I ran into the same relationship issues, issues with people that I really cared about. And as a five, um, one of our gifts and one of our curses is that we can detach from people. And so um, sometimes in those tough times of, of conflict or when trust is broken, my instinct is to withdraw and detach. And um, that works well in some situations. That, that, that's really good for keeping your heart safe but it's not really good for building meaningful and sustaining life-giving relationships. And so I decided I wanted something different. I wanted to find that intimacy with other people. I wanted those deeper connections and relationships. Um, and I had friendships worth fighting for. And um, so I think where the Enneagram really helped me was learning how to show up in relationship with other people, how to let other people into my world and to not see that as intrusive, but to see that as a gift. Um, and uh, that has been such a worthwhile journey. Um, it has been, uh, my life is richer and better for the people that I share it with. And without the Enneagram, I don't know that I would have been able to share it as deeply or as meaningfully, um, and certainly not in those long-term relationships. Uh, that, that stand the test of time because they're people that you have gone through the work of navigating conflict, where you've had the tough conversations, where you've come back and reconnected and, um, and you see each other at your best and at your worst. And um, that, is, that is a gift. And I want that in my life. I don't want to, uh, to be cut off from relationships like that. I don't think we could end on a more powerful note. So I'm going to ask you a practical question, which is um, 
how can folks who want to reach out to you, work with you, learn more about you, or have you help them, um, how can they reach you? What's the best way for them to reach out to you, Erin? Well, right now it is the very low tech email. <laughs> My website is in construction and I'm just standing up the coaching business. Um, but you can find me at Erin Oath, that's E R I N O E T H, uh, at yahoo.com. And just shoot me an email. I'll be glad to connect with you and spend some time talking uh, and let you know about some of those services and programs opportunities that we have coming up. That's fabulous. And we'll put that in the notes so people don't have to write it down or figure out what did she say? Um, it'll be in the notes, Erin. And that way we can get your word out to folks. Um, you're living in the part of the world that one of my dearest friends lives in. So I know you're in the good vibes section and I wish you all the best. I know I'll be seeing you in community. So thank you. And thanks for being someone who builds community. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. And thank you to all of you for doing the work. It is so worthwhile when we can show up in space as our authentic selves and to know that that's valued and respected. So thank you, Sarah, for creating that community among your listeners. My pleasure. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.